This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children. But if you think your child is responsible enough to handle a firearm, then they can listen to us, right? This episode is brought to you by Thoughts and Prayers. Thoughts and Prayers. For when you don't want to help, but also don't want to feel like a piece of shit for not doing anything. But what about all the prayers that happened before the bad shit went down? Eh. I mean, they'd be just as ineffective as the ones that come after the tragedy. And, I mean, there's the whole thing of, like, what god are we praying to anyways? Who are we offering these thoughts and prayers to? Always Eh, Bacchus. Always, just for debauchery. Well, I mean, the world has not been too fun lately, so somebody's fucking up somewhere. And on that note... (laughs) Hello, and thanks for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. Uh, My name is Dan, and tonight I'm joined by my friend Natalie. Hey, Dan. How you doing? I'm I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I I I don't I don't I at least I haven't read in the news about anybody getting shot today. Um, So that's a thing. I'm sure it happens because it's America. Well, no, but there was the whole thing in England. But we're, you know. Oh, I. I'm not. Yeah. Not seeing the news. Yeah. So let. All right. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Every every day is awful. So every, that's just yeah. the state of things. Yeah. Everything yeah. sucks. And then you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so positive. Tonight we're going to talk about our God of the Week, and we're also going to talk to our guest, Dr. Grant Ritchie, and then we're going to tell you why we love the internet this week. Uh, something we want to point out, Devin, who cannot make it with us tonight. Uh, designed a brand new logo for the podcast so if uh, if you haven't checked it out it is just the best like it i don't is. know it is I don't like know it, how it could could be could be better it can't it can't be better and i mean honestly the logo is better than the podcast so right, like is better than well any podcast. anything's better than this so i know we have a couple people that listen to us on the regular so i feel like we should send them gifts at some point but i guess tens of ones tens of ones but that but the logo though what Devin did um he makes us somehow yeah it's on point makes us look better than we are and and he had i mean that's what you get when you have 90 percent of a graphic design degree exactly i mean imagine what he could do with 100 (laughs) percent like i i i want to see that um because he can take over the world with that so Thank you, Devin. You're amazing. And yeah. And since Devin is not here this week, he did go ahead and pick out a God of the Week for us. So tell us about our God of the Week for whom we give all our thanks and praise. And I guess I guess we can kind of blame uh, blame mass shootings on him this week. Is that right? I, I guess because, I mean, the thoughts and prayers that have been sent up um, to whatever God or gods, I mean, somebody's fucking up up there so i'm gonna let's just blame it on on this one that devin chose and um i guess i should have figured out how to say it did you figure out how to say it i I don't know i mean (laughs) if i like if i'm just reading it this is a god that um or no do we call it a god or a goddess i mean she's a woman so is it a a goddess or a god whatever it doesn't exist so it doesn't i mean it It right right so i guess it doesn't really matter what i call her um this god comes from ireland and britain and it appears that the name would be pronounced what sheila nagigs i mean i'm sure that somebody with an accent could probably say that so much better sheila than i can. nagigs is how she- i would say sheila nagigs okay anyways th- it says that that name literally <laughs> oh devin 
means the old hag of the breasts. That's why you picked it, because he knew he wasn't going to be reading it. So he gave this to me. So anyways, this, um, so just thank you, Devin. This name, um, this goddess, refers to a number of it says, stone figurines from Ireland and Britain depicting a woman with an exposed and exaggerated vulva. So we've got boobs and vagina here. Um, and so the myth around this goddess um, suggests that she was a lustful pagan goddess who threw herself at men by showing them, and I, I like that Devin has put lady parts, showing it's, men it is, her- It is in quotes. Lady parts in quotes, so whatever. Um, and so the men, seeing this old hag of a lady, um, would reject her. But then sometimes it seems like there were guys who were like, all right, I'm down with this. Um, they would accept, and then Sheila would transform herself into a beautiful woman. And it says that she granted kingship to the lucky man. So I guess they what got... What message is that sending? It's, it's awful, but I guess, though, it's like they got laid and they became a king. So it's like, <laughs> fuck yeah. I mean... So what like, it's saying is, what it's saying is, like... Sleep with ugly people and you might become a king? Need love too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess, I mean, yeah, I... I feel like a lot of what I would say right now just would, I would dig myself into a terrible hole, but, but what a, um, what a story, I guess, um, that the, the guys who I were mean, just they, super horny were like, yeah, they, they, they put they in their were time, rewarded. They, they did their time and they got rewarded and they did and they became Kings. <laughs> so, awful. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. And like, I, I kind of love Dev for, um, dropping this one in our laps. Cause he knew he like, he dropped this in and he knew he wasn't going to be here. And, I had to talk about lady parts, vulvas, and hags. So, so we're, we, don't, we're, we don't like talking about, especially like I'm from Indiana. We don't like talking about lady parts in Indiana. Right. At lady parts in so. quotes, actually. Um, so I guess, I don't know that Sheila would do very well in Indiana. Um, she would with, be, she, with her exposed and exaggerated. She would be told that she's not yeah. allowed to do no. that because. No, but. Mike Pence. But fuck Indiana, we're praying to Sheila this week. Um, yeah, and Dev's notes go on to say that she is also known as the fertility goddess. So she's multifaceted in that capacity. Her figurines have been used at weddings and births. Because, I mean, we all know, like, little toy statues of things, you know, you know, have an impact on life. Um, and another theory relates to her as the pagan practice of Inesirma in which women lifted up their skirts to scare off evil spirits that's a thing that i think can get you arrested in most states can it though well i mean i'm not have, i'm not gonna try but on. like if you're but, like yeah. if you're if you're free ball yeah, free balling is the wrong word to use if you're but free, the, the female equivalent free, of free balling. what do you say free volving like that well, doesn't roll off the tongue very it, well it doesn't um so but <laughs> well i mean she has the exposed and exaggerated and exaggerated vulva so that's a thing it's a thing and <laughs> and i i guess that we're praying to her i mean i like this one i think i can probably give up after a week you know last last week or was that when we were doing hypnos the god of sleep like i was cool with that for more of a lifetime commitment i don't know the old hag of the breasts i I think she and I might break up after this well, week. But. It's well, it doesn't blame like all the mass shootings that happened this week on her. Let's blame let's blame her and hope it gets better from here yeah. and find somebody fun yeah. for next week.
Tonight, our guest is Dr. Grant Ritchie. Dr. Ritchie has been practicing dentistry in Tonganoxie, Kansas, since Natalie and I were about two years old. <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he contributes to the sciencebasedmedicine.org website and also is half of the PRISM podcast. So Dr. Ritchie, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks, Dan and Natalie. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I love your podcast and, and listen to it every single I don't want to say every single week, but every single time it comes out. Yes, well, yeah, we have, yeah, we have a very storied tradition in history uh, since. Uh, you, I mean, May. I've been listening to you guys since about the early seventies. <laughs> we, we've been doing this for a really long time. You know, oh, all, it's just—I mean, all, um, it just keeps getting better. You're like the sixty minutes of podcasting. I know. All four episodes have just been not terrible, so we are—we're hoping to really raise the bar with this one and be even less terrible than before. So. Thank you for being part of that with us. Well, thank you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's get into um, some dental woo, shall we? Let's. Let's do it. Okay. So um, the first topic that I would love to cover is um, one of our favorite snake oil salesmen, um, Dr. Mercola, makes some pretty egregious claims, I think, about root canals, cancer, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, I mean, he actually has an article that says 97% of terminal cancer patients previously had a root canal procedure and that is extremely clickbaity and scary and I would love to know what you think of that. Well, I'm sure you can probably guess what I think of that, probably. but you know, let's deconstruct it a little bit. Okay. One is is I've seen a lot of egregious uh, clickbaity headlines in my day, but that has to be among one of the top ones I've ever seen. I mean, mainly because it's you know near and dear to my heart is uh, being in the dental field, but there are so many layers to this. One is just out and out; it's just an out and out lie that is so untrue as to not even be you know worthy of consideration. That's not even worthy of an honest debate, which you know is just tragic. Because you know, let's look at this. Uh, one is you know s cancer has been with humankind since humans were humans and root canal theory is or root canal therapy is really a fairly recent development it, they were doing root canals maybe a hundred years ago really crudely and poorly but it's really only been a discipline in its own right for about the last 50 years in dentistry where it's a recognized specialty and they've done scientific research and literature search uh, before that it's kind of murky so Obviously, that 97% of people who have already had a root canal who've died of cancer. What about people, you know, the elderly very often have no teeth mm -hmm. and did not have root canals when they did have teeth. And, of course, that is the prime demographic for cancers. The second thing to, to point out is just where did this article come from? And I left it to a colleague of mine, Dr. Sean Sellers, who's a dentist in the United Kingdom. He you know, this just was uh, a bee in our bonnet that we just couldn't let rest. And so he actually did some sleuth work and tried to track down the original source. And it turned out to just be one of those those kind of slippery, slippery sources where one article referred to another article. And that article referred to another article, none of which were scientific papers, by the way. And then it just kind of circularly referred back to itself. So what we surmise is someone made that out of, up out of whole cloth and then it just got rebroadcast and, and recited but there's no literature at all 
there's no real even plausibility to the concept, you know, even if it wasn't 97%, which is ludicrous, but there's really no, there's no plausibility to the concept of a root canal being um, any sort of cause for the cancer. Well, I mean, even when you look at this kind of article, you know, on the Mercola website and everything, what you get at the bottom is like, you know, hey, look at my health tips now, you know, the real doctors, you know, will mm-hmm. fuck you up pretty much, right? So do what I say. Right. And so it all it then kind of goes back to... Like, or here's so a way to detox. If you've, yeah. if you've had a root canal, you can buy my supplements mm-hmm. and detox. Or if you've had amalgam fillings done, you can detox. So yeah, it, it's a lead-in, definitely. Yeah, I mean, even just looking at it right now, recommending that you visit a website called toxicteeth.org. Toxic teeth. Yeah, okay. So nice. that, that's <laughs> a thing, legit. you know, if you need to find a biological dentist. I mean, what's a, what is a biological dentist? Well, this is a, a very small minority of dentists worldwide, but especially in the U.S., that actually works on biological life forms. It's a, it's a relatively <laughs> new, new life, uh, concept. Um, I've always worked on silicone-based uh, inanimate objects Just, and that's yeah. w- exactly because and I've wondered why my career is going nowhere um, they probably don't pay very well do they right? no, no they don't and they don't care no. um, but you know that's a it's obviously a marketing term it's obviously a branding term you know it has has been integrative dentist it's been holistic dentist and now the 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 kind gentle term is biologic dentist. So that's just a euphemism for a holistic alternative medicine, someone who embraces a, an alternative medicine worldview, but applies it venture, to dentistry. Can you venture a guess as to what, what like the next iteration of that would be? Like what, what would they say? Like you said, they, they were like holistic, now biological. Like what, what do you think will come up next? Oh, like that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> um, well, um, oh, I will tell you. I will tell you. Epigenetic. <laughs> that sounds gonna, impressive. Yes, I, I should actually, you know, you should. Broad, yeah, you need to get on that. Like, I think I think I'm too late. I mean, it's one of those things. If 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 someone as dull as I am <laughs> actually thinks of that, you know, I'm about eight steps behind. So you know, it was qua- You know, you could have said quantum dentist. Quantum, there we but, go. Uh, but you know, that's that's old news. That's so tw- two thousand eight. <laughs> um, but epigenetic is now. I they're actually I get marketing pieces all the time about epigenetic orthodontics. And actually, after my talk at Nexus, people came up and said, I've got, you know, my dentist was talking to me about epigenetic orthodontics. And, you know, you just look around for a brick wall to bang your head against. But, uh, yeah, that's, again, that, that's not real creative, but I'm not smart enough to, to think of something better than epigenetic just yet. Well, but, I mean, at the same time right now, these holistic, um, whether it's a dentist or practitioner of other kind of medicine, I mean, they're, they're getting patients, right? Oh, absolutely. Some, there's something that appeals to people about this kind of medicine. And- Absolutely. And I think it's one of those things that, that I have to I – don't, I don't accept the premise completely, but I have to, in a, in a way, begrudgingly um, acknowledge it because from a medical standpoint – now, and I won't go so far as to say this is really as true in dentistry, but in a medical standpoint, where they're kind of winning in the marketplace of – of of care is just that that alternative medical providers whether it is a naturopath or a chiropractor or or some other form they feel a patient feels listening listened to 
you know, they probably don't go to them for really, really serious illnesses. But if they have an illness, just a general illness of life and just, a, you know, some ill-defined feeling of malaise, you know, you want someone to listen to. You want someone to care about you. You want someone to, to feel like you're, they're taking care of you. And that's where they excel. They, they tell a story. And they, have, and they have fairly simple answers. You can go to a physician and say, man, I have all these symptoms and, and this and that. And, of course, they run a lot of tests and everything. And sometimes they nail it. This is what you have, and here's how we treat it. But a lot of times it's, well, you know, we don't exactly know. This shows up. It could be this. It could be that. And then, you know, we can try this or we can try this. And the literature shows that this has X percent success rate. So that's what evidence-based medicine or science-based medicine is. You, you lay it out because it's all a statistics game. But if I say – Here's your problem. You've got gluten allergy. Here's your problem. You've got adrenal fatigue. Here's your problem. You've got a misalignment at your, you know, second cervical vertebrae. That's a cut and dried, you know, certain diagnosis. Yeah. And if your if your C2 is out of alignment, not only does that cure your diabetes and your asthma and everything else, it's kind of a one true cause. So it's a really simple thing wrapped up in a package. And so in dentistry, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, there's just a, a subset of people that do believe that fluoride is toxic. They do believe that the mercury and silver amalgams will kill you and cause Alzheimer's and all these things. And so a biologic dentist who wears a hazmat suit to replace you know, silver amalgam fillings and really tries to, quote, detoxify you and listens to you and, quote, works with you, you know, they treat the whole person, not just the tooth, then – that's important to a lot of people because that, that's a relationship and they feel heard and they feel like their, their worldview is honored. And so, you know, that's a valid thing. Even, I mean, even if their worldview may not be evidence-based or science-based, you know, we all want to, to feel like people, our healthcare providers are on the same page as we are. Well, I, I think I think that kind of goes into like everybody wants to feel like they're special, like uh, and, and even some of like the self-diagnosis that a lot of people do with like WebMD and every, like you can Google, you know, my, my toenail hurts and then right. you can draw a line to be like, well, maybe you have this weird, crazy disease that you only get in like, you know, third world countries or or whatever. Uh, so I think that's like everybody, like people want to feel like they're unique. And like oh, you said, they, they want, they, yeah, <laughs> well, you get a funny, you get a funny is, pain and, and yeah, I mean, everybody I had, is just as special as the next person. Exactly. Last year I had this weird pain and you know, it, it took me a long time to get rid of my ovarian cysts, but eventually I was able to do that after I diagnosed myself. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I remember when, when your podcast co-host Clay was on with us and we were talking about, um, homeopathy and other alternative medicine practitioners, he was saying that, you know, they essentially sell this feel good concept to people right. who, are, who are looking for an answer. Um, and, you know, I, like I, I made notes about a um, trashy reality show that I watch. Um, right. Yes. The, where, you know, the housewives, the housewives of, of, I think it was Beverly Hills. Um, I think I'm and right. You admitted that. that twice now, I, which is yeah, I, like, I, shameful. I will no. I'm gonna own my my trash TV because why not? You know, why not? Um, there could be worse things that I'm doing with my time. Um, so this woman, you know, thought that she had chronic Lyme, which is a topic for a whole other show probably. But she, you know, was uh, there's obviously something wrong with her, and she decided to go and get all of her dental fillings removed. And I'm right. guessing it was it was one of these biological dentists, no right, doubt. that would do this. Um, and she obviously was looking for 
an answer to this problem. So is that just what happens? People are, are just looking for something. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And if they find someone who will listen to them and do what they want, uh, the, the appeal, even though, the, like you said, chronic Lyme is probably not a thing, <laughs> which things that are not a thing mm-hmm. are easy to cure if you right. can tune to the same wavelength as the person who has it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but the, the problem is maybe this house, housewife of, of Beverly Hills or wherever yes. you, um, whatever city, whatever they're, they're, city. They're all, they probably, all kind of interchangeable. So exactly. But I'm guessing that that demographic, she probably had the money to pay for that, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't. Um, I'm in a small town to about, I'm guessing 3000 people and, and they're wonderful people, but it's not an affluent community. And if I, everyone who had silver amalgam fillings, I was telling them it's causing this and that and charging thousands of dollars to replace them, you know, that's, that's just shameful. That's mm-hmm. unethical. And, um, you know, I know, I think another misconception, first off, you, you mentioned that you guys talked about that clay is, is, is obviously clay did such an amazing job on your podcast and he's, he's such a wonderful co-host. Yes. And one of the best science-based medicine authors ever that have ever, ever, ever graced the pages yeah. of science-based medicine. <laughs> so whatever he said to you, you should, you should pretty much write down as gospel. I mean, I have. I've transcribed his po- the podcast episode, and I read Good. it every day. Do you have, do you have to, it taped up to your bathroom mirror I, like I do? I do. I do. Okay. It's, it's committed to memory, especially the Christopher Columbus stuff. Oh, <laughs> I mean, a yeah. whole whole other level of amazing. So well, that yeah. guy, well, that's that guy knows his shit. Yeah, yeah. And he's humble about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, because you were talking, you were talking about how you were like you wouldn't char- you wouldn't charge people like you wouldn't do that, right? Well, I, I, I wouldn't because you have to be evidence-based. And I've had patients come in and say, well, I've read that this can cause this. Fortunately, again, I'm, I'm in a, an area, I'm in the Midwest, and, and patients do tend to trust their health care providers. And that's an overgeneralization. But in L.A. or New York City, uh, you know, a lot of times I think they're questioned more. And, and I think if I provide the evidence, I've never really had – I've had a couple of people really – challenge me and we've kind of agreed to disagree but i still don't do it and and at the end of the day i've never i've never had a patient come to me and say i want you to replace all my fillings because i have chronic lyme or i have you know i'm worried about getting alzheimer's or some of the other claims that were made i i'm fortunate but um and even if they did i wouldn't do it i just couldn't ethically do it but so, um oh what i was going to say uh, and is i think what a lot of people assume is that all the healthcare providers that do this kind of things are the Mercolas of the world that are trying to profit. And there are some shysters in every business, every discipline, of course. But one of the things I have a lot of friends and colleagues and people that I respect for the most part that are, and I'll just talk about dentists, they are excellent dentists. They do beautiful work. They are caring. They they believe in what they're doing. So they're, if, if you came in and they said, you know, Natalie, you have, you know, this many silver amalgam fillings and we better get these out because it's causing har- harm. It's because they truly believe it and they really think that they're doing you a service. And so the misconception is that all these people are out to scam you. And I think that creates a, a false kind of a false dichotomy in that that, you know, these people really it, it's it's worthy of a dialogue because these people just have gotten bad information. These dentists have gotten, perhaps made 
you know, that maybe they don't have the critical thinking skills uh, that a lot of dentists do. They're not evidence-based or the evidence that they choose to follow isn't, isn't robust. But most of them are very caring, conscientious, technically excellent dentists. They've just been kind of straight off the path. And it's more, I, I think I would rather blame the people who gave them the information, like, because there's somebody disseminating this, like, information yeah. that, that's bad. And it might not necessarily, it's not the patient who believes it. it. Maybe it's not even, obviously, you're talking about these dentists that believe it, but it's coming from somewhere. It's coming and, from somewhere. And that's, that's the and problem. And sadly, you can go all the way up yeah. the chain, and it can go right back to the person who originated, the, the originator. And all the way down the chain, they all may be sincere and believe in it. And so there may not be a, a, a shyster in in the in the whole uh, generations, but so I think that again, like I said, that's a, a misconception because whether it's chiro I mean any chiropractors, naturopaths, acupuncture, they all believe that what they're doing is the right thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's conviction in all. There's of conviction, those absolutely. It's just that it's you know when it messes with other people's lives, I guess that's absolutely, that's absolutely. The and, and of course, I think you know that's where whether it's science-based medicine blog or our podcast or your podcast, you know, you, we can, we can, you know, really attack the, the, the shysters, the, mm -hmm. the Adams and the, and the Mercola's. But I think, you know, what I'm trying to do is, is kind of a twofold process is you need to kind of hack at the roots of those critical thinking skills where if, if a lot of these healthcare providers had the tools that we did, that they would, would arrive at different conclusions. Well, I mean, I know that something that you've said to, to us is that, you know, and this kind of ties in one of your passions, you know, is dentistry, obviously, but also science communication and outreach. And I think that this kind of ties in here. So what I want to know for, from what you do, what we do, and what makes for effective science communication? That, Natalie, is the $64,000 question, dollar question. Yeah. Because, you know, if we knew, then then all the world's woes would be, would be ended. But, you know, the, I... That is, is it, a question. Well, let me ask you: Is it is it is it about is it about saying you fucking love science and posting misleading clickbait? <laughs> That's part of it, as long as you profit from it. <laughs> but um, a lot of it is, I think, we and I'm guilty of this. Tend to because we're so intelligent and have such wonderful critical thinking skills, and no one else does. Is we do tend to be a little bit uppity. We do tend to be a little bit condescending, and we tend to really we do what we preach against. We are guilty as a group, and I'm not obviously, this is a generalization, of creating straw men because we assume that everyone who's practicing alternative medicine is a profiteering, unethical Mercola type, type but, but they're not. And so rather than saying, you're so stupid, I can't believe how you would believe this, what we need to do better is to understand where they're coming from. And to get on the same side of the table and find common ground, um, some of my my science communication heroes are people like Kevin Folta, who you know they, he's not antagonistic. If someone if someone just like calls him out and reams him out, and he's a shill, he'll say, "Come to my lab. Let's go sit down and in our pod, on our podcast." He said, and they, "You know, yeah." And they and they never want to do that. They may never want to do that, but he's like, "Let's get some pizza and a box of wine, and let's just talk about it." <laughs> But I do think the key is the key is effective communication, and it has to be respectful, and it has to be person to person. It ha it it can't be what I think an alternative medicine person thinks. 
because then again you're just you're just attacking a straw man you think you think that they don't have evidence and you but they you know you know parents anti-vax parents they're not anti-vax because they're stupid they're anti-vax because they want the best for their children and they've they've just got bad information yeah and you have to respect that and deal with them on an, an individual uh, level and an individual basis and and that's a real challenge it really is because it takes good listening skills it takes good communication skills it takes empathy and and patience and that's why people like Marsh and and Folta I've actually invented a word um, a, a verb you know Folta to me is, is a verb <laughs> so if you know the old me would would try to hand now some people deserve ridicule and being hammered you know just the the yeah. true idiots but but 95 percent of people they you know they you know they they mean the best and and so if if I fault to someone that just means I've tried to be respectful and reach out and and just try to get on the same side of the table because like 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 Fulta said is is you have common ground with someone mm-hmm. I mean so you're you know you let's say Dan you're just sitting at, at Starbucks drinking your floofy drink and you know you hear someone railing against um, vaccines well the our knee-jerk reaction because we know it all and we've done the research and you know we're leaders in our podcast field is just to say what an idiot and I can't believe that blah 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 you know to hammer them and you're not you're gonna look good and it feels good to win and but, but what we're really doing when we do that is just posturing to the choir because we want the choir to tell us how cool we are for for coming out and saying that thing, but you're not going to change. As a matter of fact, you're going to actually anchor them in their right. opposing belief. Exactly. So, so what's the common ground? We all want what's best for our children. Mm-hmm. So there's the starting point. Now, where it goes from there just depends on the individual situation. And and I say this not as an expert because I'm not very good at it, but that's just what I aspire to. And and in my uh, small brain that that's what's going to lead to real progress in this whole field well and i and i think that there are people that will never be convinced right and so you find the people that you can kind of meet in the middle um or the ones who are on the fence about these issues and those are the ones that i think you spend the most time with right because and even then you just you want that just that positive trend because the more people that you get to move to one side of things the, the closer we get to, you know, those people, the outliers looking more like outliers. I agree. I agree. Cause you're not, you're not going to convince Dana Ullman that homeopathy is wrong or Brown bag pantry or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause they are true, be- they are true believers and they, they wouldn't, if you put a gun to their head, but a lot of times when, you know, let's just use Twitter as an example. If you're getting into a, a debate with someone, it's not that person that you're really trying to convince cause you're not going to, yeah. mm-hmm. but you just have to assume that there are a lot of, fence sitters standing by and, and on the sidelines and watching this conversation take place. Yeah. You know, maybe like, yeah. Oh, I have some questions. And, and you know, they, they, you know, just happen to happen upon a tw- Twitter conversation. And those are the ones that you can influence. And if, if you're being a jerk about it and calling the other person an idiot and, and all that, well, the fence sitter is going to say, man, uh, you know, that's not a camp I want to be in. They're right. a bunch of jerks. See, like, because I, I would never, because I've gotten into lately um, a few different anti-vax, um, you know, Twitter conversations that, I mean, it's really hard to argue in 140 characters or less, but, yeah. you know, what? but I would never call somebody an idiot, even if I thought that, but I mean, I've been called an idiot, but then, sure. then it's like, cool, if you want to end the conversation there by calling me an idiot, well, 
I think it says we, a lot more I think about you know, about yeah. them than it does about you. Exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. I'm I'm perfectly happy to let the other person reveal how small they are. Right. So you let them get to that level and then just sit back and then they'll they'll find somebody else to call an idiot and it keeps going. But you know, I think for us to just you know, sit on the sidelines for that. Because Absolutely. Just, Take the it, high road. It's not, it's not worth it at all. I agree. That. Yeah. And I say that I'm, again, I still have, I am a work in progress because I still love calling people idiots and I still like feeling superior. But at the end of the day, I'm just doing that for my own ego or, or, you know, the, the back slaps that I get from, you know, peers and things like well, that. But that, but it doesn't, it, but it doesn't, that's not, it doesn't accomplish anything. So what's your ultimate goal to, to look like a, a cool person or to affect change? I mean, that's like, if I'm being totally honest, that's, that's why I got started was because I felt like, I mean, it feels good to do that. But then as oh. you, as you go, you get, I mean, I, I guess I matured ever so slightly. <laughs> <laughs> ever that, so slightly. You guys almost kept a straight face when he said, I started so laughing I, as soon as he said that, but no, but no, for real, like you're, yeah. You're you're not you're not awful. Um, oh, so, yeah. I know that's really endearing, isn't it? We're friends. Dan's not awful. Dan's not right. awful. That's, well, it's, that's as high yeah, as a it's, I mean, but, but I mean, but I mean, I, it's also I think it's it's important for me to like own that and acknowledge that that like I I did do a lot of dick or didn't do but said a lot of dickish things or didn't say didn't really care so much about how I was presenting my thoughts or how I was engaging with somebody because that, I mean you're that's absolutely like the entire point of any sort of discussion online is you're arguing for those fence setters to try to get people that haven't made their minds up the the you know the eyeballs that are, are reading it you know instead and maybe not necessarily commenting oh i agree it, it, or 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 are too too just uncertain or just they don't they don't want to be the ones to say well i don't know about you know this you know xyz uh and and they're waiting for you know you or, or somebody else to explain that oh well, I, I mean I know even like with my own sister, um, as soon as I started doing the science mom stuff and talking more openly about GMOs and stuff like that in particular, I mean, she had questions that, I mean, she just made assumptions um, that they were bad and harmful based on what other people had said. And, you know, um, she has since come around. Um, right, because you, you called know, her an idiot. I, I didn't call her an no. idiot. Well, See, I mean, but... exactly why, because it, yeah. it was a civil, like, discussion where... We just talked, and I. And it was because it was your sister. Not that you wouldn't be like that for anyone else, but it, I think uh, that's a good lesson. Is if you're if you're debating someone or having, and they have to be the type of people that are open. Mm -hmm. Well, just pretend like you're you're debating that with a sibling or or someone a friend who just happens to believe that way. You know, that's the kind of respect and desire to have a mutual mutually beneficial outcome that you can bring to the table. Right, someone that you actually care about, because like you said before. I think it really does all go back to wanting what's best for us, for our children, and the intention. I mean, I like to assume that everybody has the best intention, um, whether it's Absolutely. for their own health, for the health of their children, for just the well-being of people. And there's just so much misinformation out there mm -hmm. that I do feel like it is our responsibility, in a sense, to find the best ways to get the correct information out there. And I so, agree. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Thomas Jefferson quote, you know, sometimes there are some people that deserve uh, the, the mallet of truth to be smashed upon their head because um, Thomas Jefferson said ridicule is the only weapon which can be used against unintelligible propositions. Ideas must be distinct before reason can act upon them. So, I mean, they, it, 
if, if someone's totally unreasonable and they don't have a well-formulated idea or debate or – well, just, okay, then hammer them or move on or ignore or whatever. Right. You're never going to get anything. The second is is I think most people in the science and skeptical community have seen Phil Plate's um, Don't Be a Dick speech from Tam several years ago. And I was there, and it was just fantastic. But it's just kind of the same thing. It's like don't be a dick. It's like how – you know. Every single, and if we're if we're lumping us into like a science and skeptical uh, group for whatever that might mean to to uh, your listeners, but we've all had a belief at some point in our life that turned out to not be true, whether it's religious or you know just aliens or, or you know whatever it is. Anything. Bigfoot. And at some Bigfoot. point, we changed our mind on that. And was it because someone called us stupid? Someone, you know ridiculed us no it was we were led and one of the things i when we interviewed marsh um, from good thinking society is i said something like having a toolbox and that way you can change people's mind and he called me out on it and i thought it was beautiful because he said no he said you're never going to change anyone's mind all you can do is hopefully you establish a relationship so you can get close enough to them that you can hand the tools to them and they choose they change their own mind Right, no one can change someone else's mind. You can only change, you know, your own mind. And I thought that was a, a subtle but but powerful uh, mm -hmm. point that Marsh made. Well, because it gives us the agency in our own lives to affect yes. change, and then I think you feel more confident in your decisions and in your choices from that point on. If it's if it's something that you came to yourself rather than got sort of hammered in by somebody right. else. No right? one ever. So. Right. No one ever changes their mind because someone else hammered it into it. Yeah, and I think another important distinction to make is that we, especially those of us who are, are, are science and information and evidence-based, is we think that information is going to change people's mind. And you can give people information all day long, and that is not how human beings make decisions. Mm -hmm. You make a decision emotionally, right. and you rationalize it you know, scientific analytically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where alternative medicine it, practitioners, yeah, exactly. they're winning because they tell a story. You can, you can give all the vaccine facts in the world, but if exactly. I show you an autistic kid, a five second photo of an autistic kid and say, vaccines did this to my kid, I won the conversation. Right. Well, and I think that that it's important. I mean, the other side uses, I, you know, I kind of hate to say other side, whatever, but I'm going right. to for a lack yeah, of no, a better term, we know um, that they use anecdotes, they use stories, they use emotions. And I mean, I my feeling is that, you know, we have the facts on our side already. So yes. there's that. But I think that there there needs to be a little bit more movement towards also embracing the emotional component and the anecdote and showcasing real people saying you know, whether it's, hey, I feed my children genetically modified ingredients or I vaccinate my children. I mean, those stories aren't as dramatic as, oh, my child has a vaccine injury, but it's still real life, right? And it's still, you know, a little bit anecdotal, but, you know, but, can but, give but and, and we're, we're kind of conditioned to think anecdote, anecdote right. equals bad. Right. And it is if you're using that for evidence, but it's not. I, I think you're exactly right, Natalie, because science needs a narrative. Yeah, science yeah. needs a narrative, and there's a great book called uh, "Don't Be Such a Scientist" by Randy Olson, and he talks about how scientists are scientists, and he's like, "Don't." He's he was a scientist, PhD, tenure track at New Hampshire University, New Hampshire, and after 20 years, 
he just quit and went out to LA and became a filmmaker. And so he's, he's got that both sides. And he's like, scientists need to tell the story. And yeah. so you're right. So instead of saying, well, vaccines do this and this, show a picture of a kid, a baby hacking with, with pertussis, with whooping cough. It's heart-wrenching. Show a kid laying in a crib covered in measles. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk, that's the narrative that we need to counter that. If a patient comes to me and says, you know, take and, and this is hypothetical, but take out all my fillings because it's going to cause MS. Then I can say, you know, instead of just saying, well, the research shows that blah, 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 that's going to bounce right off their foreheads. Right. I mean, I don't, you know, unless they're just a, a an analytic uh, science nerd, it's going to bounce off their forehead. But if you say, well, you know, there are patients who have done this and they've undergone all this, you know, treatment and it's costing thousands of dollars and, and I know you know, a, you know, Mrs. Jones who did that and she ended up needing three root canals because of that and, and the trauma to that. So the, you know, risk versus benefit. And so they start, they start emotionally identifying with a patient like, wow, they went through a lot of pain and is it really worth it? And it's risk versus benefit. And then they just, you just plant that seed in their head, but it's, it's because you've touched them on an emotional basis, not an analytic basis. Yeah. I mean, I think never underestimate the power of, a, of storytelling. And, and I think that, that we need to bring that a little bit more to, to this side of things. I mean, evidence and, and reason are amazing, but... Yeah, and we need them, absolutely. And, and we need them, and that's not to discount any of that, but it's to also get to the heart and, you know, and minds of people in a different way, I think, to compel possible change for those fence sitters um, in these different issues. So, no, I so. couldn't agree more, absolutely. Yeah. So we have a few questions uh, for you uh, sourced from our group, the science enthusiasts. Uh, the first on one me. comes first one comes from Jason. Um, and this is actually a really great question. It's a question that I, I've had numerous times from my own dentist. Why the hell do dentists ask you questions when they're poking around inside your mouth? Because we can. And, and so are we supposed to like answer them? Okay. Or Did you okay, I assume go, I assume oh, both yeah. of you I assume both of you went to college, and I assume yes. both of you probably took some foreign language. I took Latin no. for four years in high school, and then one semester. Yeah, I, was say, I took German in high school, but okay. I, I, so know, I, I okay. couldn't. Yeah. So we we can understand muffled marble mouth <laughs> language okay. when a patient says That's just I mean we're fluent in that. So, but it's also just kind of, you know, part of like if you take a negotiation course or you take a communication, mm -hmm. it's like the winner of the negotiation is the person who controls the conversation. <laughs> and we've got our, our hands in our mouth, you know, just like we are the alpha here. And, <laughs> and I defy you to, to, to do. No, yeah, that's just, that's just something we do, you know. We got to get our jollies somehow. <laughs> well, right. Like I, I figure half of it is I'm going to ask like a complex question yes. and I'm just going to see what this asshole does. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got both my hands and eight cotton rolls in your mouth. I'm like, okay, yeah. so a photon, is it a wave or a particle and why? And what, uh -huh. what, is, what is the meaning of life? Tell me now while Tell you're stuffed with. Tell me now. Right. See, my, see, my, like my like she only asks, you know, any plans for the summer? How are the kids doing? And uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get asked uh, those uh, types of existential questions there. Well, I, when I ask them, they just look at me like I'm a, an idiot, and <laughs> which I am. But yeah, that's that's just one of our tricks because <laughs> yeah, you know, why not? No one likes to uh, see us, so we might as well get our jollies where we can. 
<laughs> Actually, not? like I, I will be honest. I do not mind getting my teeth cleaned, and because you're young and you haven't had a mouthful of cavities. I've, I've had. I, I even I. Have you ever gonna, had a cavity, Dan? Uh, well, see, you're gonna like get mad at me here, and that's okay. Uh, I'll move on. Um, my first job, like first real person job that I ever had, did not have dental insurance, so I just didn't go to the dentist and just kind of continued not going to the dentist for about ten years after college. Uh, or no, like eight or nine years after college, I had one cavity and didn't even show up on the x-ray though. Uh, but yeah, so I've, I, I've not really had any problems with that, but even then, like, I do not mind having my teeth cleaned. I always feel great. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, it feels it's, good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Kind of, I tell you, you know, to me, it's kind of like, uh, when you go to get your haircut and, and they lay you back in, in the sink and put that hot water and they kind of massage your head and shampoo your hair. It's, it's kind of nice. You kind of drift off and. Just and I, I've never had a cavity, by the way, guys. Just of course promise. you haven't. Of course I haven't. You, ki you kids, these yep. days, and, we, and we, yeah. joking aside, because you're you guys are terrible for business. How can I afford my <laughs> yacht payment when I've got people like you coming in? With that's why I market to baby boomers who were pre-fluoride, pre-cigarettes, right. and they've got disposable income. So it's like, okay, you're the one. And then th those are the people that I tell need to have all their amalgams replaced because they're toxic. And that's why I have a yacht in Nantucket. Exactly. Even, even when I wasn't going to the dentist, I, I mean, I floss like four to five times a week. I use a fluoride rinse and everything like that. So like Dan, getting... Dan, fluoride is poison. No, I was going to say, so I'm getting my mind. Like I'm right. getting, I'm paying. I mean, your, your pineal gland is so calcified it now is. that I don't even know if it's, if it's able to be reversed. But, 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 part of the, but I mean, joking aside, there's a really lame but, but apt parallel because part of the reason there's such a big anti-vax movement is – see, I'm, I'm older than – a lot older than you guys. But you know, I remember you know, I was born after the polio vaccine was developed, but I knew people whose big brothers and, and I saw people around town who had polio, and I had a smallpox shot because it was still a thing. And, and there was no such thing as a measles vaccine, and so I never had measles, but all my friends did, mumps. And, you know, those are horrible things, and it injured people and killed people. Well, no one gets those diseases anymore. No one's seen a baby with whooping cough unless you go online, and no one's seen someone with measles. So if you're a mom with a newborn baby, you think there's – those because, diseases I mean, are an abstract – they happen exactly. a million miles away, but you want to jab my baby with a needle that I've heard will damage them forever. So and, and I think it, it gets back to a little bit to the, you know, I'm special, I'm unique. Right. Uh, all that, that, like and those said, things that don't exist happens. except in lore. And right. it's the same thing like with you, young whippersnappers. <laughs> same thing with cavities. I mean, a lot of times like, well, why do we need fluoride? I've never had a cavity. Why do I need to do this? You know, I've never had a cavity because, I mean, and I'm glad. It's, it's just that's a tribute both from the medical and dental standpoint of, of how far we've come, of how wonderful things are. But yeah, anyone under 35, I mean, I, it's rare. It's either they have no cavities at all because they're normal and everything that we that science has done has prevented them, or they have a million because they drink Mountain Dew and never brush their teeth and, you know, and What's wrong with Mountain Dew? Yeah. Like my, I, I'm not joking. It's like my diet Mountain Dew is like my favorite drink. Yeah, well, well, I guess I just Good. So there's hope for you yet. You can still fund go. some retirement, some dentist uh, retirement. <laughs> It's, well, it's yeah, Mountain Dew is horrible. It's like the worst. Yeah. Just, you're drinking battery acid, but that's all right. I 
I re- you'll get over it. Is it, is it well, bad yeah, bad like, life choices, Dan Broadbent. That's just not yeah. Ugh. The Dan Broadbent story. The Dan Broadbent story. Just diet Mountain Dew, bad life choices. That's it. All right. Well, Grant, uh, definitely appreciate you taking the time this week to join us here. It's been so much fun. I really had a great time. The time has flown by. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to talk to us. Because, I mean, why? I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because you sent me that check and said... I know it was it was a big fucking check that we sent. Yeah, I would not I would not yeah. talk to. And, and then I think Dan sent me that letter that said talk to us or or we will hurt your family. I can't remember yeah, exactly I mean, we, what. I don't, the, I don't want that being. On no, we, and, we like to use a combination of happen. money and oh, threats. That, that, that carrot and the stick. It always that works. Happen. Yeah, that totally. did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We're, you know, we're well, I was I was going to give you like shout outs here on our outro of the segment, but I mean, I don't we're have just being to. mean now. Yeah. yeah, it's like withholding. I'm not being You're mean. withholding I'm, your affection, aren't you? I'm not being mean at all. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm having false allegations, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Give him some give him some good outro okay. stuff. If you, I mean, it, I guess if you enjoyed our interview with Grant, you might want to follow him on Twitter at at skeptical DDS, or you could also listen to him uh, as well. Uh, you can listen to him on the Prison Podcast along with uh, his partner, Dr. Clay Jones. Clay is uh, such a wonderful person. Clay is, Clay is the is best. Great. Clay is the answer to everything, as we <laughs> talked about. Yeah. It links to everything we discussed uh, with Dr. Rishi here will be found online at scienceenthusiast.com slash podcast. Wonderful. And if I can throw in one other thing is, is yes. I know a lot of people do have questions about dentistry and, and science-based dentistry and so if any of your listeners want to contact me contact me maybe they, they say well my dentist told me that i should abc and feel free they can email us at prisonpodcast at gmail.com and i'm happy yeah. to entertain any questions fortunately and i'm kind of proud of my of my dental br- brothers and sisters is when a a listener to my podcast or someone on twitter says hey i've got to ask you something my dentist recommended this of the time, their dentist is right on the mark. Mm -hmm. And maybe 15% of of the time, they're like, well, I, you know, it can go either way. Maybe I wouldn't do it that way, but they're not off base. And 5% of the time, you're like, no, don't, do not do that. But there are a lot of questions and, and, you know, you want to trust your dentist and assume that he or she is giving you right information. But if you just have questions, I welcome anyone contacting me and I will give them all the advice that I can give them legally and ethically without having examine them awesome thank you so much um and we hope that you'll come back sometime and talk to us again and our final segment this week is of course why we love the internet and the reason we love the internet this week is because of the cartoonist joan cornelia cornelia i don't know how to say say the last name correctly i'm sure I'm saying it incorrectly. Well, I, I don't know either, but he has um, 3.8 million um, Facebook followers. So probably. Yeah, so, and, what, so what we're saying yeah. is he's going to get a big bump from from us. Talking from all, all right 10 now. of you guys are, are guys and girls are going to go and, and follow this page, even though they probably or, are. Or, already even, or even the in-betweens. Don't forget about the in-betweens. They're, they're people, too. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm scrolling through these. <laughs> like. Well, I, I see so, Cupid. So he, he has these he has these comic strips. They're like they're, it's the, it's the type that it's like obviously like it's kind of like retro looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they're well done, but it's like 
uh, I don't even know how to describe that, but it's like very retro looking. Yes, like um, they, it's it's very well done artwork, yeah. right? Yeah, yes. like very, and like the people that are in them all look like very like 1950s, I yes. feel like. And the one I'm looking at, it's a, it's a, it's a guy. And of course, like they're all like always smiling, like big smiles. So yeah. it's a guy, like huge smile. And he's wearing a shirt that says free hugs, very positive message, except for he doesn't have, he doesn't have any arms. <laughs> <laughs> so nope. Or similar, similar, similar looking guy who's just like standing in a suit jacket and he's got one arm down to the side, the other arm's up like he's going to give a high five, only it's, like, all bleeding, and I'm not even sure, like, what's happening there. Okay, but so now I'm I'm down at, the date is June 5th on this one, and there's, there's a man and a woman, and the man is going to propose to the woman. He has a nice diamond ring. He puts it on her finger, and then, well, it looks like she has an erection. That is right near his face as he's kneeling down, and that's that's it. That's the end of it. Is yeah. just and, and like they it's like an sense. erection near the guy's eye, and he's just like, huh. So, I I don't know, but but yes, like 1950s. It's like if the people that are in Mad Men were looking at comics, this is what they'd be looking at, I guess. But way inappropriate or not? I don't or know. He has he has a magician putting a. Uh lady into a into a like a, a box standing mm -hmm. up she gets inside it uh the magician then pulls out a gun because that's what they do catering yeah. to the to the to the conservative base here and shooting the box and then it cuts to the audience like obviously being upset opens the box blood everywhere woman is dead cuts back to the just the magician with his magic wand and he makes the box disappear, and now everybody's clapping. And then there's just the classic, like, guy hanging from a parachute by the neck. Because <laughs> why not? I don't understand. Because just, but that's... I, I feel like I yeah. understand it, but I, but I don't, but I do, but I don't. But it's but like, it's like hashtag life, right? I mean, just, Yeah. And then this is this is definitely one of the one of my favorite ones, and we'll have links to all these in the notes. But it's a, it's a businessman walking by, obviously somebody that's supposed to be homeless with children. He pulls out his pockets, doesn't have any money, reaches into the woman's cup that she's begging for money into, pulls out a coin, goes to a machine, puts money in the machine, gets a condom, and puts the condom in the cup. <laughs> like it's so not appropriate and not funny but at the same time because i'm a horrible person i find it very amusing. well i but i think that that's kind of the theme with most of our why we love the internet it's like well we love the internet because we're horrible people and we find the things that just suit our that, that lifestyle a lot a lot yeah right that allow us to be awful yeah but it's it's okay <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive us this yeah. I for yeah, right, exactly. Like, I for I mean, me, it could be a matters. it could be a lot worse. So we just we just like weird shit on the internet. We it, are not But also it's, it can't be much better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you made it this far, <laughs> thanks for joining us this week for our episode. If you enjoyed listening, please consider leaving us a five star rating on iTunes. You can also follow, follow blah, 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 
follow Natalie's new page on Facebook as Skeptical Parenting, myself as a science enthusiast. Or if you want to follow that dickhead Devin, you can uh, follow him as Skepticism by the Pint if he ever decides to show up and do a show with us. But next week, uh, we're going to have Eli Bosnick on, who, like, how did we get him on the show? Thank you, well, Natalie. Uh, I, I sent him a message on Facebook, and we bonded over pugs and memes. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk That's about the story that. I'm telling. But Eli, Eli is on uh, a few podcasts, uh, like, my favorite podcasts. I <laughs> like, think I, both of our favorite, yeah, I mean. Like, their, their, their whole, like, network. Uh, God Awful Movies. Uh, scathing atheist and the skeptocrats so i for one am incredibly excited to talk to him <laughs> next week like we dan gets a little giddy when he uh, thinks of eli so i do i, so I, I just i just yeah. I, I have the image of him licking ray comfort like permanently like emblazoned in my head and it just makes me laugh every time yeah I think about no it. i mean i like I'm, what I'm else super... are you gonna what else are you gonna do when you when you see a, a wild ray comforts <laughs> like what else do you do lick those eyeballs <laughs> just <laughs> so so yeah i mean if if someone's our outtake made... for the week lick those eyeballs lick those eyeballs <laughs> <laughs> all right natalie hit us with a quote the very concept of alternative medicine exists to create a double standard where the rules of science and evidence are stood on their heads specifically to manufacture the result that is desired by cranks, charlatans, snake oil salesmen, and self-proclaimed gurus. There is no alternative medicine. There is just medicine. Either it works or it doesn't. And that is from Dr. Steve Novella. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Well, thanks for joining me this week, Natalie. Well, thank thank you for having me, Dan. It's it's an honor and a privilege every week. The privilege is all yours. It's all yours, <laughs> but that's okay. The music you heard in this podcast was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com.